You're listening to the Driving Confidence Podcast for drivers who want to be calm and confident on the road. We will be sharing tips, stories and advice to beat driving nerves and anxiety and build your driving confidence. Whether you are just starting out as a learner or have had your driving license for years, if you want to transform how you feel about driving, this podcast is for you. In today's episode, we're chatting to Mangala Holland, who's in a business group with me. When she heard that we help people with driving confidence, her immediate reaction was that she wished we'd been around in her past. And so, of course, that led us to invite her on as a podcast guest to tell us more and share with you her inspirational story of how she avoided driving following an accident, but has since got back on the road after taking some extra lessons. So let's get on and meet Mangla in this episode. So hi, Mangla. Thanks very much for joining us on this podcast episode. Oh, thank you. Delighted to be here. Mangala, just a bit of background for anybody listening. We are on the same business group together mm-hmm. and you saw what we did, helping people with their driving confidence. And your reaction was, oh, Tracy, I wish I'd known about you years ago. Yeah. So we arranged to have a little chat and we don't know very much about your story at all apart from that. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yes. So like most people, I started having driving lessons when I was 17 and I think my dad had probably even taken me out a little bit before that around some quiet. I grew up in the country, so I think we'd done some supermarket car parks, perhaps a little bit before I turned 17. (laughs) And so I went through lessons. I had a driving instructor. I went out a lot with my dad and failed my first driving test. Came home absolutely distraught and in tears. I remember doing hill starts and rolling back down the hill. And I did that about five times in a row. It was really bad. And that stuck with me, actually. And perhaps I'll talk about that a bit later. And then so eventually I did pass, probably just about just turned 18, something like that, when I finally passed my test. And I wasn't driving for very long. And I had an accident, country lane, really literally around the corner from my house, in my mum's car and wrote my mum's car off. And so it wasn't actually, I mean, what's a bad accident? I mean, the car was written off. Me and the other guy were okay. And it was just, we both came around this blind country lane bend and just head on into each other and so it wasn't long before I went to university and but it really affected me and it really impacted me and it knocked my confidence for six and I didn't really have my confidence yet either and I think that was the crucial piece I never really got my confidence and so I was still in this kind of wobbly learner phase when it happened and it kind of impacted me so much that I think I only drove two or three times after that and then I went off to uni and I moved from Cornwall to Manchester and living in Manchester where I didn't need to drive I mean I couldn't afford it to as a student but we had great public transport and I ended up living in Manchester for 18 years and then I moved overseas and I, it was probably a bit subconscious, but I always decided to live in places where there was really good public transport. So I didn't have to conquer my fear. And every time I went back to visit my mum and dad, they'd say, oh, you know, should we hire a car or get a little renter act for you? Or we can put you on the insurance. I was like, no, no, don't want to do it. And I, I, it got to be this like 
big fear and big block to driving and I just assumed I'd never drive again I was just like, I don't need to live in the city I can do without it who needs to spend the money on a car and this kind of stuff so I really convinced myself driving was not for me and I used to have nightmares constantly like this went on for what 30 years basically where I'd have nightmares constantly about being in a car that was out of control either driving or in a passenger seat. So even as a passenger, I was kind of nervous because I'd never got into that feeling of being in control behind the wheel, which is interesting. And I lived in Thailand for a while and I had a little moped while I was out there. And that was a huge thing for me to get a moped, but there was hardly any traffic on that island. So I, even though in some respects, it kind of would have felt a bit more vulnerable to some people because not got the protection of being in a car. I felt that that was more manageable because there was just nothing else to bump into on the road. So it was on a tiny island. And then and I lived in Australia for a while in the city in Melbourne and amazing public transport. And my excuse there was, well, even though they're driving on the same side of the road, there's different things are a bit different and there's no way I would drive in Melbourne. And so when I moved back to the UK, which was in the middle of the pandemic, so August 2020, I moved back. And uh, as I was coming back, I just got this real sense of this is something I want to overcome. And it was just before I left, I was speaking to a friend over uh, in Melbourne, and he is an absolute driving nut. He's we're really, really into it. And he's done all these advanced courses. And, and he basically said to me, are you scared of my driving? And I was like, well, and I told him my story. And he basically said, well, it's not that you lost your confidence. You never had it to start with. He said, just do some, just go and do a course or get some lessons and you'll be fine. It's not you. It's just that you haven't had the training. And that helped me to start to separate myself from this issue. And I'm a coach. So I've worked a lot with people and supporting them through their areas where they're stuck and where they're not confident. And, and I had to kind of turn it back on myself and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's this. And so when I decided I was coming back, I uh, I said to my mum and dad, right, it's time to tackle this. So I'm going to buy a car. And if I buy a car, then I've got to sort this out. And that that's when I came back and I managed to get some lessons in with an instructor. I was living in Bristol at the time. And I don't know if you know Bristol, but they say it's probably worse than London for driving because there's so much traffic and it's really hard to park in the residential areas. <laughs> so I had this car and I had to just like have some lessons and just get used to it. And then I moved out to the country and I now live in Glastonbury. And it's much easier driving there. But then again, I, I got more lessons because I'd never never driven on a motorway and I was terrified of that. And because I just poodle up and down going to the gym or the shops, I don't get these longer stretches of driving. So that's been my latest conquest. And uh, so I recently drove down to my mum and dad's in Cornwall. I had my motorway lessons in December just before I went down at Christmas and did that and thought, oh, great, I've got my big girl pants on. Yeah. <laughs> and then hadn't done any motorway driving again up until last month so up until July and then I did it again and and it felt even more empowering to just do it under my own steam this time and to feel like actually driving on the motorway is easier than the A roads like everybody told me this and I'm actually starting to feel it so yeah it's been that's my journey in a nutshell <laughs>
That's brilliant. Thank you. And that is such a really nice, clear journey. And how amazing to have gone from that not driving for 30 years Mm -hmm. to actually, it's that making the decision, isn't it? Making that decision to do something about it and taking those extra lessons. And sitting in the discomfort of it as well. Because when I had those first lessons in Bristol, I just remember like sweating profusely and being aware of all these uncomfortable sensations in my body. And this is the work I do with people is there's a lot of focus on the body and moving things through the body and noticing where we're holding tension and when we're stressed and how that shows up in our body. And so that was, it was like, oh, this is a real practice of all of my work, you know? Oh, I'm clenching my jaw. Oh, my shoulders are up around my ears. (laughs) My pelvic floor is tight. I'm sweating like crazy. Like, how can I bring awareness to this and relax relax my body even as I'm learning these skills and trying to have my awareness in all these different places and my brain's trying to cope with all this input coming from all these different directions at once it's a lot to take in when your brain isn't used to driving I'm sure you must hear this from a lot of people it is we hear this lots from people that pass the test then coming back people in lessons 17 year olds are going through the same situations, the lack of confidence. And they want this confidence, but they just don't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. We find sometimes it's an experience. You have to experience something and then you can build on it afterwards. What's happened? What can we do? What's the next stage? Yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting how you've, there was a bigger gap between probably someone that has lessons and then they got come back the next week. Yeah. I've got a quick question. Sure. What would you think was missing in your original driving lessons? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think it was getting it all to click so that it felt natural and so that I felt comfortable. And I think if I look back, like, when was that? Like, end of the 80s. I think driving lessons probably changed a lot since then. I think part of it was that I my lessons were because I was in the country, so I didn't get any experience of driving even on a a bypass, really, just small towns, and they did what they could. But so there was a lot of practice that I didn't feel I got in kind of different driving situations and also there was not as much traffic on the road either so I wasn't used to that I think that was a big thing and I think the difference if I think back to the difference between the lessons then and the lessons I've had recently the two instructors I've worked with this time around have both had more awareness of mindset and using your brain and thinking about how you are as a driver. And in fact, the first one I had in Bristol, he, he had a background in meditation and he was really good at helping me to calm down and talking to me in a way that made me feel calm and relaxed and, and just say, it's okay, I've got you. Whereas I don't think the original instructor did. It was just like going through the motions to pass the test and didn't feel like it was setting me up with skills to drive. I think there's a big difference there. Mm. And the instructor I had for the motorway lessons, she has also done training in NLP and coaching. So had a background in, she really helped me to think 
like a driver, particularly on the motorway, and how to not just get on because I was terrified of getting on, terrified of coming off. But she had me like looking really far ahead and thinking what's coming up and do you want to stay in this lane? Look what's coming up. When do you want to move over? And just having that, that bigger awareness. And that was fabulous. It really helped me rewire the way I saw myself as well as the way I saw driving and I think it, those that was a big big difference to the first time and we as driving instructors have changed since then you yeah. know I remember my lessons and we never talked about how you felt whereas now it's like how are you feeling today it's almost the first question when you get in yeah. the car it's like how are you feeling today and it's like yeah. okay yeah so yeah we have changed now it's um yeah, yeah. it is and yeah, and I think as well, I did so many lessons and practices with my dad, which I think is really common, you know, because everyone wants to keep money costs down, yeah. especially when you're a teenager. And at the same time, I remember we had quite a few bust-ups and I'd come out in tears. <laughs> and I'm like, that isn't a calming experience. <laughs> and I was learning to drive in his little Renault van. It wasn't even a, a car, you know, so... That, that was in the mix as well. And then when I bought this car, I actually met my parents on holiday in Somerset. They'd hired a cottage and we were finally caught up after the pandemic to have this little holiday together. And they, my dad drove the car up. So then I had to get in the car with my dad and have lessons with him again. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm a teenager again. <laughs> <laughs> It was really good for me to be able to not behave like a teen bit when I was scared and, and where I didn't feel in control. But to have him next to me was really helpful. And we did a lot of parking practice, actually. And I these days now, like every time I park in a supermarket, I get out and I'm like, yeah, I've got this. And it's a, a really nice feeling. Brilliant. And of course, the thing about being your adult self compared to your teenage self, like you oh. said before, you're a coach. You work with people with confidence issues. This is what you do. So your adult self compared to your teenage self, you have so much more self-awareness that once you had that realization of, oh, yes, this is what I do. I just need to apply it into driving. You then have a completely different skill set compared to you as a teenager, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're a teenager, there's that, there's a cockiness as well. It's something I hadn't integrated in my driving and I, it was still really fresh, but there was also a cockiness with it. And I, I'd have music blaring and stuff. I still haven't felt comfortable enough to like, drive with music on in the car. I like to have my full, full awareness with me, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You yeah. know, I think I'm still in that. I'm, I've still got my P plates on actually. <laughs> I've been driving around with them for two years and I joke that maybe I'll still have them on when I'm 80, but it, just makes me give a bit of awareness to everybody else around me that hey I'm still fresh at this to a certain level and just and it's really given me a lot of grace as well so that's been that's been helpful for me it's probably not what you're supposed to do but <laughs> I would say I would say that yes that is exactly that's what they're there for isn't it they're there for you to give you that bit of space, that bit of confidence, that sort of like letting other people know how you're feeling about your driving. Is that right? Well, well, I think it's more the people's perception is yeah. the P plates are people that have just passed their test. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where an actual fact, you can also use it for telling people, look, I am even new to this or yeah. look, I'm driving on my own. Just give me a little bit of slack. Exactly, which I think on the motorway, especially the first couple of times, that really made me feel a lot safer. Yeah. And, and if you feel safer, the driving probably is better. Yes, yes, definitely. So yeah. so you've got little tricks that you can do yourself, little things like I'm not having the radio on yeah. or I put my P plates on because then I know I feel that everyone else knows what type of driver I am. Yeah, yeah. So that's the little coping strategies, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And the other one I do is just check in and I, you know, how my shoulders relaxed or I wiggle my toes because that helps bring me back into my body. Anything simple like that. So, okay, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Getting you out of your head and worries about what might happen and back into, is everything okay right now? Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm. so is there anything now that you feel that you still need to work on or are you just in the progression of just on that nice upward confidence scale of getting to where you want to be yeah I'm definitely on that upward scale but I would still like to keep you know I think there's still areas where I'm a little bit uncertain so I pulled into a farm the other day and then they there was no space to park there and I was told to reverse down this lane and that was new. <laughs> so, oh, right, I've got to reverse quite a long way back here. And so that was new. And it was like, oh, and I felt quite proud of myself that I did it okay. But there's, you know, there's still different situations, like particularly very narrow country lanes that we have in Cornwall, and particularly because that was uh, an area where, you know, that's where I had my accident. And so, and hill starts these days I'm much happier with, but I probably over-rev things a bit just as a bit of overcompensation because that was a bit of a pinch point in my first test. So there's things like that. And I, I would love to do an advanced driving intensive at some point just for that extra skill set of really as my friend told me you know just really being able to handle a car in difficult conditions just to embody that extra level of confidence well, i think that's really good to do because it just gives you that where am i driving at the moment mm-hmm. and you know and giving a the person sitting next to you is going to give you a, a fresh perspective on things through a different set of eyes and they're looking at you know your driving as such and it's just, rather than having it as the word test on the end, every person in driving, they always have the word test, rather than say, let's, do, let's improve our driving or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good point, yeah. So I just think it's like we're just improving and doing this assessment, which it really is, it gives you that chance to go, okay, I'm having my driving assessed because I want to be better. Yeah, yeah. I want to become that driver who knows how to deal with certain situations, which I think, you know, is brilliant. So well, yeah. well done you. Oh, thank you. And I still like city driving is still quite challenging, particularly big roundabouts. It's like, oh God, <laughs> which, which lane am I in and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it, I think that just comes with time and practice and experience, you know, um, very much. And I, as you were talking there, I just it just flashed into my mind that I think even when I was, I don't know, well, I was still at primary school, but I, I failed my cycling proficiency test. We had this cycling test where you had to cycle in and out with like red cones and do little things. And I failed that. So I think there's always been ever since 
there's elements of you know not feeling in control in in or on a vehicle and so it's a process you know Mm. Yeah. And I love, I wrote down, I love that bit where you said when you had to reverse down the lane, that you reflected afterwards because you felt proud of yourself. And I love that you did that because there is a tendency for people when they're struggling with confidence issues to always be focusing on the negative feelings but there is a really good example of how you perhaps this is using your skills as a coach but you took the time to be proud of yourself and what you did you reflected on your success you did something new and you did it well and you felt proud of yourself which is brilliant because that's a real confidence building element taking that time to reflect yeah yeah and there were people watching as well so it's like well i can't have a meltdown i've just got to do it you know? <laughs> it's nothing like pressure yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. can i ask do you still have nightmares um i haven't that's actually stopped brilliant yeah yeah I mean, I get nightmares, but not about driving. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a different podcast, that one. Yeah. yeah. If I was listening to this podcast and I was a 18-year-old who is coming up for a test, what bit of advice would you give to that person? Or shall I phrase it, your younger self? Yeah. I would say... It's okay to take your time, really is. I felt, as I'm sure perhaps a lot of people do, I felt a lot of pressure to get it done. I felt I had to push myself through it. I feel that if I'd given myself more time and just given myself a bit more space to to get used to it um, before driving around with my mates a lot or, yeah, all those things, like get as much practice in and wait until it feels ready because I think I even that second test I think my driving had only just clicked when I went in for that test so I didn't feel like I'd fully grasped it properly and yeah it was it just felt very very unsteady I felt very unsteady afterwards it's like okay I've passed but now what kind of thing now now I'm let loose and and I remember that first driving on my own when nobody sat next to me felt really strange and so I think what I needed was perhaps even a bit more practice and being okay to have someone with me after that. That's really interesting because a lot of people, they book a test and they get to the test and they may pass, they may fail. You know, there's some things happen on a test. But to go to a test and know that you can drive independently and have the skills there, that's, that's fantastic. You know, and that's what we all try to do. Well, I suppose... Me as an instructor, I try to get my students to have that so that we don't really do much as instructors coming towards the end of the lessons. It's all about the student and like you, your younger self. It's, it's just driving. Yeah. And we can just ask questions. What would you do in this situation? What would you yeah. do if you saw a tractor up on the road? Yeah, yeah. And also, I think that was the good thing about like the later lessons rather than the ones I had when I was a teenager. I think in the later ones, I felt like I was able to ask more questions and pick their brains like, well, what about this? I forgot what that sign means. What about this situation? What would I do if I was behind a tractor? What if I meet a cyclist and there's a bend coming up? And all of these kind of things. There was like, 
I don't think when I was 17, I wouldn't have felt as confident to be able to ask those questions and pick their brains. And I think great now that people have been taught how to think like a driver, because that was what was missing. But at that age and back then, I didn't know that that's what I needed. You know, so it would have been hard to ask for that. So is there any more fears or blocks in your driving that you have? Um, still a bit when I, I'm happy when I'm on roads that I've driven before. So it's yeah. when I'm going somewhere new and I'm relying on Google Maps and Google Maps doesn't tell me, <laughs> um, doesn't always give the best information. So when I was down in Cornwall, I took a wrong turn at one point and Google Maps is great for then giving you a different route and you'll still get there. But, you know, different routes can sometimes mean incredibly narrow country lanes or little tracks that maybe aren't the nicest driving conditions and, you know, things like that. And so this is an area where it's just, it's the unknown. Mm -hmm. Once I've been on a route somewhere, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I've way less stress about going there again. And that's probably the same as most people as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's that unknown, we don't know what to expect. And especially when you're reliant on a sat-nav, whether it's Google Maps or a sat-nav or whatever app you're using, it is that, oh, what's happening? Don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finding parking and that kind of stuff. But mm. Yeah, yeah. But once, as I say, once I've been somewhere once, I'm a lot happier. So, yeah. And the great thing is that you don't let that stop you either. So you're still doing those drives, even though you don't know, even though you've not driven there before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how is Hill Starts now? Yeah, hill starts are good. <laughs> I get plenty of practice in the country. Yeah. Um, and I do maybe like rely, you know, I might be a bit over-egging it a bit, but it just to be double sure. But yeah, I've had no problems with starts now. I do notice sometimes if I'm at a hill, then my left leg will still shake sometimes just like while I'm waiting to get going again. It's a body response. And I just, I recognize what it is and I just have to laugh at it. And hopefully one day that'll work itself out. But I, because I've done enough work on body and trauma, I know this is just a natural response to the body. That's what it's doing. It's, it's okay. I don't need to go into a freak out shaking. It's all. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect because I'm sure that there'll be other people listening. And it is that knowing what it is and not interpreting it in a way that then puts you into a stress spiral. So you recognise what it is, you're aware of it, and you carry on anyway without it causing you any further problems. Yeah, and the other thing that I found really helpful is I use some hypnosis tracks that I found that I'll listen to the night before I know I've got to drive somewhere new or I've got a big drive, just to really feel that I'm setting myself up, that I'm not freaking out, and that's been really helpful. Oh, that's a fantastic tip. That's a really mm. good one. So before we finish, is there a final something you would like to say or a tip? Kev talked about people before their test and your younger self. So now is there anything you'd like to say if there is anybody else listening who perhaps has had a really long gap without driving and they've allowed their fears to stop them? What would you say to them? 
Oh, I'd say if I can do this, anybody can, because I really thought I'd never drive again. So I don't need to create my life in a way where it's unnecessary, but that stopped me. And it, it put such a block on my social life, needing people to drive me home or having to get Ubers. And now I live in the country, we don't have Uber, <laughs> things like that, you know? it's I wouldn't have been able to move to the country if I hadn't started driving again. So it's opened up so much possibility for me. And so I would just say it's never too late. I work in women's sexuality and my oldest client is 76. And if she can lean into the discomfort of that, anybody can get behind the wheel. I, I just get the right support. I think that's the main thing. Get the right support. Take your time. Excellent. Bring them. Yep. Lovely. Thank you so much, Mangala, for joining us and for sharing your story with us and for anybody who's listening. Oh, thank you. It's good to talk about it. As I will often say in my training sessions when we're talking about confidence, that I'm happy to get on a stage in front of thousands of people or talk about very intimate stuff in a very public sphere. And for most people, that is something that they could, that just gives them nightmares, you know. Yeah. But for me, sitting behind a wheel, was such a big challenge and so everybody's got something that they that holds them back when it comes to confidence and it can be worked through whatever it is yeah absolutely and you can be confident in one area of your yeah. life and not confident in another area of your life and exactly. it really is about transferring skills into yeah. the different areas it's just developing skills and having the right support yeah yeah brilliant Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thank you so much, Mangala. You're welcome. So that was a really interesting chat that we had there with Mangala. Kev, what were your main takeaways? The main one I thought was when we asked what was missing from her original lessons after she passed her test. And she said now that she wasn't prepared enough, wasn't prepared enough to drive on her own and her older self now recognizes that the 17 year old should be able to take time, get more practice in on the road. So that when it comes to post test, that they are ready, they're more experienced. They've had time on the road and they are ready to not have someone sitting next to them. So that was one of my main real takeaways from that. Um, so that we are trying to reduce crashes yeah. you know, with keeping the road safer. And one of those is that 17 to 24 year olds are the highest bracket of accidents. So it was interesting to hear that someone looking back says, I wasn't prepared enough to drive on my own and unfortunately had that crash. Yeah, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, of course, but the research does back this up, doesn't it? That in the first 12 months of being a new driver, that is the time that the research says that drivers are developing their experience they are getting experiences of things that they didn't do on lessons. So that's still happening now, not just back when driving lessons were quite different back then. No, we talked about when Mangala has had lessons since making that decision to go back to driving. She's noticed how driving instructors were different now and were asking more questions and she felt she could ask more questions. But it is about being ready and being ready does not mean I've had so many lessons and I'm going to take a test. It means actually being ready to drive on your own in any given situation at any time. So having that experience to be able to deal with that. And if you can't, we can't recreate every single situation. 
but being able to ask questions in your lessons and your instructor, mum, dad, whoever it may be, getting them to challenge you in questions about what would you do in this situation? Why would you drive at this speed on this road? You know, those are the sort of things that we want to be questioning and making sure people are ready to drive on their own. Yeah, it really fits back into that episode that we did recently about are you able to make your own driving decisions and drive independently? And ideally, you should be doing that for several lessons before you even take your test. So you're already gaining that experience before being on your own. And that's it. You mentioned making decisions there. And there was a decision made later on that I now need a car. I now need a car. But what I need to do is to have extra lessons. I need to have those motorway lessons, those first lessons about getting back into a car and making sure that you're staying up to scratch to improve you. It's not about having a, a test again. It's about an assessment. So driving can be an experience and we learn from those experiences. Yeah, it really felt like that decision was almost as important as her follow-up driving lessons. After not driving for so long and avoiding it for so long, it really felt when we were talking to Mangala, that decision was the, the key point, making that decision to drive. And then she created her plan, found the driving instructor that was right for her. And like you said, coming back to it at a later stage, she knew what she needed. She knew what she wanted. And she felt able to ask questions and get the information that she needed to to be comfortable behind the wheel again. And it's having that extra practice, having that confidence to be able to ask those questions, um, I think is brilliant. But driving is all about making decisions. Yeah. And I think the final bit for me that I really liked was showing that you can be really confident in one area of your life but that doesn't necessarily transfer through to all areas of your life. So for Mangler, she's very confident when it comes to public speaking and when it comes to her work, and yet driving was an area that she didn't feel confident at all. And it was only when she made that decision that she was then able to transfer some of her skills over and apply them into her driving. It's life skills, isn't it? Driving is a life skill and you, how we are affected in our life reverts back to our driving. And I'm sure there'll be another podcast about that. <laughs> and as Mangala finished by saying, it's never too late. So if you find yourself in a similar position, if it resonates with you at all, then have a think about it. What will help you to make that decision to start driving again? So we hope you enjoyed listening to Mangler's story. We invited her on because we felt it would be inspirational for those of you who would like to build your driving confidence. As she says, if she can do it, then you can do it too. Feel free to get in touch. All of our contact details are in the show notes as always. And until next time, have a great day, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Driving Confidence Podcast. If you would like to access any of our free tools, go to confidentdrivers.co.uk forward slash free tools and begin to transform how you feel about driving.